Good morning, everyone. Warm welcome to you, as hot as it is today. Great weather has been this week. Thankful for good weather. Not as bad as, um, as we've seen or heard in the continent, but we're really thankful. We're blessed immensely for, for that that we are not having any disasters, but even if we do, we'll still be a people that are thankful and continually give glory and honor to God. Amen. Wonderful to have you here with us this morning. Wonderful to see all your faces as we commence the book of Mark. Great. Jamming. Next one. Yeah. Great. So, we are starting a new series on the book of March. It's meant to be very practical in approach and delivery. It's a very fast-paced book. And what benefit would it bring to us as a community to delve into the book of Mark? Do you want to go to the next slide? You've skipped one, I believe. What's the first one? Go back one. Okay, go on. Okay. So, let's start with three very simple questions for today. What is the study of books in the Bible called? What is the study of books of the Bible called? Okay. Any other takers? Theology is a good one, yeah. Biblical studies or bibliology. Did we know that bibliology is the study of books of the Bible? And why do we think it's good to study books of the Bible? What benefit is there? Just taking a book apart and going through it. It's God's Word, yes, but why do we want to study particular books at a time? Find parallels for today. Good. Gain knowledge, yes. Wisdom, yeah. Yeah, draw parallels for today, yeah. Are the kids with us? Ben, Alex, are you listening in? Where's Jasiel? Have you got your notebook, Jasiel? Yeah? Good. Right. I will show you some of the things that benefit us from studying books of the Bible. But before I do that, the final question, because you are all very attentive and good members of our community and our church. What book of the Bible did we study in January 2022? 
January 2022. What book of the Bible did we study? January 2022. What book of the Bible did we study? Last year, January 2022. January 2022. Anyone? <laughs> nope. It wasn't Nehemiah. Any other guesses? Nope. Three and you're out. As in, out the door. Um, okay, January 2020, I'll come back to that. January 2023. Good, good. Okay, I didn't catch you out on that. That was my first question, but I thought that's way too easy. You all get that on. January 2022, we looked at Second Peter. That's what we did then. January 2022, we did Second Peter. I'm going to take this off. So, the benefits of studying books of the Bible, do you want to go on now? So, it gives us an in-depth understanding of that book. And what does that do? It just gives an awareness, it gives structure to the things that we know from the book, and that's why it's good to take each book apart. You get a contextual awareness as well. You look into it and it takes away confusion, so to speak. So keep going, Jamin. Let's give a big hand to Jamin for taking such a big responsibility. And avoiding confusion, spiritual growth that was mentioned, the applications, parallels for today, memorization, and finally, we're avoiding overwhelm because the Bible itself is a big book. How many books do we have in the Bible? Thank you. Excellent. Quick on that one, Fleur. <laughs> so avoiding overwhelm, you just take it. It's like an elephant. You take one piece of it at a time to avoid swallowing the whole thing and getting sick. So we just go for each one and looking into gaining understanding, but more importantly is the application that we get. So can someone tell me something they took away from us studying Joshua in the last couple of months? Just one thing that you've taken away that is going to remain with you forever. Jen. Great. Thanks, Jen. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Any other person for Joshua? Strong and courageous, yeah. And what's the application of that for you, sir? Yeah. 
Amen. It's really good. Go down or king. Take the land. That's the physical application now. Wherever you put your foot on, then it's yours. As the word says. Mm. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So this is the kind of uh, meeting we're having this morning where we can talk. So I've said to Katie, if the children want to ask questions or adults want to ask questions, then please, you know, you can raise your hand up and we can quickly talk through that. Hopefully we can get through it in good time. So let's have that kind of um, back and forth if you want this morning and Otherwise, you can always come afterwards and we can talk about it. I'm just putting a timer on so I'm conscious of time so we don't go off because it's quite a warm day. Um, yeah. So, what can we expect from Mark, the Gospel of Mark? Got it? First one is we get the historical perspective of Mark. I found it quite interesting looking at Mark and just doing a bit of research around it, found out that it is the shortest of the gospel. I'm sure we know that. Um, I think it's got about 16 or so chapters where Matthew's got about you know, 24, 26, Luke, along those lines, as well as John. It's the shortest one. It's the most translated across the board. Um, and it's very coincise and action-packed all the way. Very fast-paced. Um, there are very little... There are certain parts that he focuses on the detail. There are other parts that it's just whipping through it very quickly. Like the first part of it has nothing to say about the genealogy of Jesus or the description. It just went straight into business. And you find that all through Mark. I found that quite interesting. And what Mark also brings is a theology of discipleship. And I'm saying this just to set our expectation and set our minds on what do we want to take away from this study. Because as we go through it, each one of us will need to decide that I am not just sitting in. I'm a participant. There's something in here for me um, to take away. But you build your expectation like what Pav was saying um, the other week, and she posted it in the group in terms of how do you come? How do you position yourself when you come into church? Do you come with expectation? Yes, lovely as it is for us to meet together, and I'm all up for the congregational meeting. But each one of us must come with an expectation. We must come with a demand on Jesus to draw from him, like the woman with the issue of blood, where she had an expectation that in the midst of a multitude of people, she was still able to draw from him, and he felt the power going out of her because someone had an expectation. So we must come with an expectation. As we build ourselves up in our personal devotion, we also want to add to the quality of worship when we come together, and we enjoy the blessing and the benefit of having a congregation where 
if you have a picture, if God drops something in your heart, you can bring it to strengthen someone. It might not be for you. It certainly is when you bring it because you speaking it out adds to everyone's benefit and to yours as well. Blessed is the one that gives because it's more blessed to give than to receive. So you have your blessing by giving. So come prepared. Think about the service in the week. Prepare to come and be a blessing to God's people. As you attend, have it in mind that, God, I want to hear from you. I want to edify, to build, even correct is part of our gathering together, is the purpose of coming together. So going on to that, there's the theology of discipleship, which Mark highlights, showcasing the challenges and the qualities of a follower of Jesus. You need to read between the lines to see this. He speaks very specifically in different aspects of it. So that's something to look forward to, where you want to be challenged, where you want to grow, where you want to check your walk with God. Make sure that you are on that straight and narrow with Him. Because straight and narrow means it's just you and Jesus. It's not, you know, open to all. You engage with Him and you walk through with Him. Miracles and parables, there's a handful of that in here, different from some of which are the same, but has a slightly different spin to it. And we have quite a number of people coming in, and also you can hear from the other communities as well, five communities, download the podcast and listen to views. The more you hear, the more you can see the different perspectives, and it helps you to engage. That's part of our study and being stewards of what God has given to us because we want to grow in faith, but it's up to us to really engage with God's Word and grow in that. That's all we can do at this time to give ourselves to it and to understand what God is saying to us. The next is another big word. It's called Christology. And Max presents a very unique perspective about Jesus. It's all about the identity of Jesus. He has his own way of telling that story and that narrative. And when we get to talking about who Mark is specifically, then we'll understand why. You know, contributing to the broader understanding of Christology within the New Testament. Because Mark wrote a very unique book about Jesus describing that he had a first-hand account from Peter, the disciple of Jesus, one of the three in the, you know, in the very close circle of Jesus. He had that first-hand account with him. And also for our benefit as a community and as a church is the final point, which is the evangelistic focus of Mark's gospel. It's one of the easiest things to read. It's the first one that goes out to the Gentile nation because it's so concise and so direct. It's one that you can give a new believer. Go read Mark and it gives you an overview of the life of Jesus. It's a very powerful tool for disciple making. So that's what we can expect from Mark. In summary, Mark would help us deepen our understanding of the life of Jesus, challenge us to reflect on our discipleship, 
the way we walk with Christ, how we engage with him and seeking spiritual growth. For all of us who want to seek spiritual growth, who wants to, you know, progress and continue to increase. So imagine where you are now and think of 10 years from now, 20 years, you know, like I always, I'm constantly wanting to see what's ahead. Not because I want to know, but I just want to prepare. I just want, you know, to really see where God is working in my life and align myself to that. Just lean towards it as much as possible. So we're people that are constantly weighing it out. And there was a lot of things that I got from looking at who Mark is in that sense. So what's Mark's full name? Next slide. Who knows his full name? John Mark. Any other person? Did we all know that? Yeah? Acts chapter 12, verse 12. Let's quickly go there. Acts 12, 12. Does anyone want to read that? It's not going to come up on the screen, but I just want someone to read that for us, please. Anyone there yet? Thank you, Jen. That's it. So we know this is John, and from that we know who his mother was. Yeah? That his mother was Mary. So just looking at that by itself. So this is John, who would, you know, find out a bit more about him. This is a young man that grew up in the early church. And why I'm saying this is for us as parents. And I always go on about it because I think it's really important to underline the significance we play in the lives of our children. So this is John Mark, son of Mary, who is widowed. You know, dad probably passed. But what did she do? She opened her home to the disciples. And at the point where Peter was in prison, they were praying in her house. They gathered in her house. And this is the importance of us opening our homes for prayer. It creates an atmosphere, an opportunity for us to lead our children to Christ. I'll tell you a little bit more about Mark. Apart from the fact that he wrote this book of Mark that we're studying, he also traveled with Barnabas. He started with Barnabas. Barnabas brought him to Paul, and they were meant to be going on missionary journeys together. But he became the one that sat at the feet of Peter and made a journal of his life. What sort of child do you want to raise in your time? As in, if you were to project 20 years and you think, do I want a John Mark? Do I want a Peter? Do I want a Timothy? You know, like Paul said about Timothy, that the same faith that was in his mother and his grandmother was found in him. What sort of children do we want to raise? And can I suggest to you that Mary at that point never imagined that we'll be talking about her today. Do you agree? She never thought that. She was just faithful at that point. So what's the benefit for us? We see Mary, we see the outcome, 
what do we need to do? Do exactly what Mary did. Create a home and an atmosphere where children learn about God. And what are the chances he could end up being a Paul? He could end up being a Mark. He could end up being a Timothy. He could end up affecting the nations of the world. But what do we need to do today? In the little town of who or High Halstow, All Hallows, Grain, wherever we are, we've got children, but we have an opportunity to have an impact in the years to come. So faithfully inputting into our children, it's not going to happen by chance. This woman did not open a house just because she could. She was intentional. She wanted the kingdom of God in our own home, in our own day, in our own time. So she went out there and catered to the disciples. She supported the gospel and she made sure that Mark was involved if we look at the book of um, Mark, very quickly, I think it's 1651. Jen, can you help me with that, please? I'll also tell you who. Mark. Yeah. Is it 1551? About Mark, where he fled. A young man. Mark. 51. It has to be 51. I think it's 51. What does it say? Do you know that's the only account of that in the Gospels, that particular instance of that young man? There's nowhere else in the Gospel that it appears. And popular teachers of the Bible suggest that that was Mark himself, that that happened to. So when everyone else had fled, he stood by Jesus to see what happened. Those are the kind of sons we want to raise we create that atmosphere that enables that. But more importantly, is our prayer that goes into it. And I want us to, you know, take this as our response. We are here today. We may not think much of what we have to offer. But God has given a seed to us. And we really need to consciously start to work on that. The least you can do is just pray and see what God will do. The next is to bring them closer, help them to understand the word, help them to start reading. We've got a few young people that we we're talking about earlier in the week with the management team that they're coming on board to serve the church. These are 18 year olds. You know, we've got about four of them already serving. We've seen Joe Brooks already going out in the streets. We see the videos every now and again. We see Megan serving faithfully as well in that regard. And we've got the twins, Joel and Nat, doing that. And we have an additional six. What I see is a continual growth over the years of young people coming in. Would you join with us and encourage these young people? Would you have them in your home? 
for lunch on a Sunday just to find out what they're doing, how they are, contribute to their life and their growth, sow a seed for the future into these young people's lives. And we never know what they will become, but what they are today we know, and we just want to encourage them. I'm trying to see whether we can get at least two of them here at the WHO community to support the work that we're doing. But I want us to prepare as a community to encourage them and to walk with them for the year while they're doing ID in whatever way that we feel best to support and help them. But this is the beginning of creating marks across the nations where we have the opportunity to input into the lives of these people and see where God takes them. But we have to be intentional about it. So that is my background for Mark, just to give us an insight that it's not so far off. It's here with us today. Mary may not have had the benefit of thinking, would he be the one that would write the epistle? No, she didn't. But now we have an opportunity to raise sons that can change the nations. And what do we do? We proclaim it over them. We say by faith that you will storm the nations of the world. You will be a battle axe in God's hand. You are an arrow shot into the future. We're constantly speaking this over our children. And we say to them, others may, but you cannot do it because of destiny. That is our point of correction for them. That is the boundaries we set around them. And we say, because your friends are doing it doesn't mean you can. Because where you're going is different from there. I don't know where you're going, but the children that the Lord God has given to me are for signs and for wonders. And it's not just parents. I know the depth of love grandparents have here and the impact that they have on children. So let's look towards that. But I want to speak to parents particularly. Speak to parents with sons and daughters. Think of what God could do with your children and start to input into them. And that's one of the big things I learned from Mark. A very young man. Says he was young. He was hardly clothed. He was thinking, why have they taken my Savior? Where are they taking him to? I want to see. Even at the risk of his death. And they got hold of him. The only thing they could take off was his linen. So he fled naked. That was how dedicated it was. We want to raise sons like that. We can't change the nations if we don't have a generation coming up that we're looking to and we're bringing up. If we're going to make the impact that we want in who, we want our sons to be there with us. We don't want to be the generation after Joshua where everyone forgot about what God had done. We want to constantly remind them. And that was one of the things I took away from Joshua about how Everyone was on it, constantly speaking to their children such that they never forget what God has done in their lives. Amen. So that's the backdrop for Mark. Let us go to our reading for today. Mark chapter 1, verse 1 to 8 is what we are looking at today specifically as an opener to the season and to the series around Mark. So, I want to read from here as I've been, as 
it has been requested of me in order to engage with the children. So, guys, do you want to open your book to page, I think it's page one, because it says two here, but where it says Mark. Jamin, have you got yours, Jessil? Charlotte, you got yours? So I'm going to start where it says um, John prepares for Jesus, and this is the new century version. Is that right, Katie? So this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As the prophet Isaiah wrote, I will send my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. There's a voice of a man who calls out in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make the road straight for him. John was baptizing people in the desert. He preached a baptism of changed hearts and lives for the forgiveness of sins. All the people from Judea and Jerusalem were going out to John. They told about the sins they had done. Then they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothes made from camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. This is what John preached to the people. There is one coming later who is greater than I. I am not good enough even to kneel down and untie his sandals. I baptize you with water, but the one who is coming will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this is how Mark chooses to open his gospel, talking about the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ. He opens it up with what was spoken, what had been anticipated, what the people of Israel were expecting, because they'd been waiting for so many years before then. You know, when Jim spoke this morning about the prophecy of Isaiah, he said about 800 years. At this point, I reckon it was almost a thousand, if not more, at the opening of this particular scene. So these people had been waiting. But you know one thing that strikes me about them? They remembered the promise of God, and they were looking for it. 800 years. Do you remember what was said to you yesterday, last week, the week before? 800 years, and they held on to that word. So when he started to speak, the voice of one in the wilderness, it struck something inside of them. That's generations. It wasn't written anywhere. It was orally passed on to them. How do we build that capacity within our children? Now, when they hear it, their spirit rises to it. Look at what John said here, or what Mark said here. All of Jerusalem, all of Judea, trekked. We're not talking walking from here to the toilet. We're talking miles into the wilderness to engage 
with God's prophet and the word that he had said. It activated something inside of them. You know, we must be a people that are tuned in to God's word. And when the word of prophecy comes, the word of redemption, the word that activates us into our future, we see it and we pursue it. That's the opening of Mark's gospel. How these people, they went in and he gave them the promise of God. That he, we'll look at it, Isaiah 40 and 3, which is one of the ones that we read. The voice of one. And if we look a bit more into 40 and 3, what he says there about, you know, bringing down the mountains, leveling up the valleys and making that way for him who is coming. How are we making our way for God's promise? Because we read these things and we think, is it happening? Is it not going to happen? We must get to a place where we are persuaded beyond any shadow of a doubt that if God has said this, then he will do it. That's the very unique thing about the nation of Israel. Even till today, they're still holding on to God's word. And for us that have become, you know, the the offshoot of that faith in Jesus Christ, where do we stand? Are there still dry places in the land? Because the real unique thing about the positioning of where John was, like the Bible says, is the wilderness, the desert. It's a real description of where we are as humans without God, as a people without God. It's just dead. Nothing grows. It's a wilderness. And what made them? Imagine someone is saying the voice of one, the prophet, and it, it just struck them that could this be the one? Could this be what was spoken many, many years ago? Like I said, let's put it into context. A thousand years is not a joke. What possibility? What are the chances of being able to pass that on from generation to generation? And then when they hear it, their heart just starts to beat. Like those disciples on the road of Emmaus with Jesus. He said, did our hearts not burn as he said those things to us? What's the condition of our hearts when we hear God's word? Even in our own reading by ourselves, does it stir anything in us? Does it challenge us? Does it, you know, cause us to change our direction? Because that's what they did. A repentance was an about-face turn from where they were going and the tract that they were taking. The positioning that they had, it just changed their position and they confessed their sins. And this is where we need to be as a people, the way of the Lord, getting ready for God to come. And what it did then is what is still going on now. That repentance, that change of heart, that change of positioning to allow the King of glory into our own personal lives is what we still have with us today till Jesus come because he made that final sacrifice we don't have to offer up ships we don't have to offer up goats we just need to confess our sins but what I want to ask of us this morning is to think of where we are regarding the promises of God are we still in the wilderness you know the things that struck people and they ran to him was the the sins of their lives, the guilt and the fear that they carried, and they ran all the way to the wilderness. They walked for hours to get to where John was, and when they saw him, they confessed their sins, 
and they were baptized. And they believed in the remission of sins that John promised them and said to them, because God had ordained him at that moment to speak to them about it. But for us today, is the same call from John for the remission of our sins to unfurl the guilt that we have in our hearts and the fear of tomorrow and to give it to Jesus. And what did he say to them even after baptizing them? He said, there is one that is greater than I am, one that baptizes you with the Spirit. I baptize with water. He baptizes you with the Spirit and seals that completely for you. And that's what I want to call us to today, that even as we We've gone through baptism, which is great because we have another one coming in two weeks, 24th of September. So if, if you've never been baptized and you want to think about it, then do speak to Jim or myself and we'll get you on that or anyone else who wants to, which is a real physical indication of I'm dying with Christ, I'm being buried with him, and I'm going to be raised into new life again. But more importantly for us, I feel that God is releasing his spirit afresh upon us within who? Peninsula. That the king has come. The one that was promised is not only here. He's always been here, but he's coming in a fresh and new way for us. To elevate every area of our lives. And I know each one of us have things that we're dealing with. But he wants to bring light into those areas. But like John said, you have to go find him. Go into the depth of where that dryness is and say to him, Lord, this is what it is. This is how it is for me. Send your fire upon me. Weeks ago, we were singing, breathe upon me. That promise is still there. That atmosphere is still here. All you have to do is what John said to them. Confess your sins. If you read in the other Gospels, he spoke to... Um, <laughs> different classes of people. There was one where he ripped into the Pharisees as well. You know, this brood of vipers who had warned you to flee for the destruction that is yet to come. But then there were men, there were women, there were children. Just like us today, all we need to do is open up and say, Father, my work isn't going well. My health isn't right. My children are not in order. Help me. And let your spirit come upon me in a fresh and new way. That is the baptism that John brings. The baptism of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Are we ready to do that as a people? We're in a new season, which also looks like a new term. We want to go forward on the promises of God. We want to believe God for the whole of Hu Peninsula, for the towns and the cities around us. We want to get out there, reaching out to people, discipling ourselves, loving ourselves, and doing all things to the glory of Christ. Amen. I want us to seal that this morning by taking communion together, if that's okay. We'll have communion together just to signify and to accept this challenge that we want to go to Jesus by ourselves. And if you want 
any support, if you feel there are things in your heart that you want to talk about and you want prayers for, please find us in front here. Come to the front and let's pray together. Take those things away. Hold them dearly in your heart. Children, build them up. Remind them of the promises of God so that when it comes, they will not be turning a deaf ear to you. They will not be unaware of it. We'll be expectant and waiting on God's promise. That's what we have to look forward to as we walk through the book of Mark. That's what God is calling us to today, that He's here and His Spirit is upon us to lead us through the valleys of our lives, the mountains He will make low. He would raise the valleys and He will make that level path for us to walk on. That's God's promise. You walk on a level path. You walk with sure-footedness in your everyday approach. You are certain of what God is calling you to. There's no wavering. There's no turning back. You're not lukewarm. You're not in the middle. You're either cold or you're hot, but you're not sitting in the middle anymore. You're not sitting in uncertainty about what God is saying for you. Father, there's still people up here. So let's rise or let's open up our communion as we call out to Jesus and we ask for his spirit upon us in the days to come that he would flood our hearts with his light. He will bring direction and focus for us. He would enable our ears, our spiritual ears to hear. He would enable our spiritual eyes to see, not just with the naked eyes, but to see well ahead. The things that Mary could not see concerning Mark, or maybe she knew, but she would never have thought it would be such far-reaching consequences and benefits as we enjoy today. What do we see? Have we given up hope about our children or being, you know, not necessarily preachers, but doing great things for God? Whatever that is, however God chooses, that's what we want to call to. And even us, have you given up on God's dream for your life? Have you given up on God's purpose of thinking my significance, my worth? Where is it? What am I doing with it? We must be a people that arise to the call of God. And that's what God is calling us to today. As long as we're here and we draw breath, there is still a plan of God for your life. There's still a plan of God for that child. There's still a plan and a purpose for you to achieve. So let's go for it. Amen. What Jennifer brought last week in terms of a challenge to us as a people. My own thing and my walk with God is as we enjoy and I'm not sure if everyone feels that way whether they're really, really enjoying their walk with God it's a real challenge for me I don't want to be a believer in this difficult world and I'm still struggling, I'm not enjoying life I, I don't want it, so there's something not right, because that's not what the Bible says about us so we must find that sweet spot, as it's called, that even though we are in trying times, and because the Bible even says it, if it was something that wasn't there, oh, that it's all going to be honky-dory, you should be happy and everything. Nobody talks about it, but even in the midst of that, just like Egypt, 
there was Goshen, a set place for Egypt, for the children of Israel in Goshen. We need to find that. And it's in the context of our own hearts that you find that peace in your walk with God, where you are flourishing, you are like a tree planted by rivers, and it just blooms and blooms and blooms. I want you to think about that as you go back. Just think about it. We must get to that place. Amen. Find that word that causes you to rise and run into those dry places. Like those people, they found that word and they just ran with it. Ran and said, where is the one that was promised? And when they saw him, they received of that word. They confessed their sins and they got baptized. Amen. God bless you all. I hope you find yourself in this and get strong and encouraged in it. Thank you.